.NET Rocks is being sponsored today by Text Control, the company behind TX Text Control, a Microsoft Word-inspired document editor library and document processing engine for your applications. TX Text Control is fully customizable and programmable and is available for most platforms, including ASP.NET MVC, Web Forms, WPF, and Windows Forms. Recently, they released their Angular and Node.js versions that allow the integration of WYSIWYG document editing into your web apps. TX Text Control really shines in applications that do mail merging and reporting, where Microsoft Word-compatible templates are merged with JSON data in the client, or pure server-side applications that create Adobe PDF documents. So, try TX Text Control for free and see the live demos at textcontrol.com slash demos. Hey, Carl here to announce a very special project that I've been working on for the last month, and now it's launched. It's called Blazor Train. That's right. It's free Blazor training, YouTube videos. It's a complete class. We've got five episodes up there, including an interview with Steve Sanderson and David Fowler. We're going to have new content every week. Go get it, folks. Blazertrain.com. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, we're still on lockdown here in the United States and Canada. And, you know, I guess you're probably on lockdown, too, come to think of it, wherever you are. How you been, Mr. Campbell? You holding up? Yeah, things are pretty good. British Columbia, of all of the provinces, has done really well for being one of the epicenters. And there was a great study that came out just recently that said that really the only thing we, we got lucky that it was when our spring break was. Oh, right. That our spring break came after shutdown. So the kids hadn't, they hadn't gone away for the, for the, for the spring break where in Quebec, where it's much worse, they didn't do the shutdown until kids were already on spring break. And so they went to Florida and they went, you know, all over the world. And then they all came back, some of them with the the disease. And so the situation in Quebec is much worse. We, We just got lucky in some respects, but we're yeah. down to single-digit cases. Wow, that's great. Good yeah. to hear. We're, um, I don't know what, what's going on in Connecticut, but right now we sort of seem to be in a lull. But uh, like you probably are noticing, the weather is good and everybody just wants to go out and yeah. they're not uh, wearing masks and it just makes me nervous. Well, and, so. and outside seems to be okay. It's when you need to go into a store or something, right? Like right. You, you need a mask. The good yeah. news is I, I, you know, am married to a woman in the clothing trade, and so yeah. she's been making masks nonstop. I'm a, I am perpetually the difficult case fit model, and now yeah. the model for the obnoxiously large head. <laughs> Have you done any of those things like making a mask out of a sock, or there's been a whole no. bunch of hacks? Yeah, don't don't need to. Got a professional <laughs> seamstress living in the house. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's like, now we're trying elastic. Now we're trying shock cord. Now we're trying this <laughs> kind of fabric. Now we're trying that kind of fabric. This I call the Korean fold. This is uh, the upper seam. This is the lower seam. It's like, oh, how many masks do I need? <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, uh, I've been, of course, um, doing my thing here and staying home except to go to the grocery store. And and that's that's about it. Now, in theory, you're immune. No, I don't know that I'm immune. All I know is that the first test was positive, the second one was negative. But there's been a lot of reports of people who have 
been in my situation who have contracted it again, even with social distancing. Hmm. So I have no idea if I'm if I have immunity or not. I mean, even if I have antibodies, I may still be able to get it. They just don't know. Have you taken? Have they taken any of your blood? No, they haven't done any of that yet. But I imagine okay. that's coming next. So uh, let's get going with a little thing that we call Better Know a Framework. Roll the music, please. <laughs> Dude, what do you got? Well, speaking of Blazer, I wanted to um, share something, a couple of things, actually. But the first one is uh, a new series that I'm doing, sponsored by DevExpress, called Blazer Train. And this is a YouTube serial. So lots and lots of little episodes that are targeted to small topics. And I'm going to have to add testing now, which is great. Um, but you know, the, there are some that are pre-recorded and some that are recorded live, you know, with a live stream and then edited. And that's all happening at blazertrain.com. But um, what I really wanted to share was I just found out, I guess this just went up on the 11th of May, that uh, a tutorial that Daniel Roth put up there that shows how to use SignalR with Blazor WebAssembly. Interesting. And so SignalR is the, as we may or may not know, is the sort of magic secret binding sauce between uh, using Blazor server and the browser that sort of makes the whole Blazor server model work. But right. if you want to add your own hub, you know, you'd have to do that. If you, you can't tap into that SignalR hub in Blazor server. And in Blazor WebAssembly, there is no hub in the browser. So one of the options when you create a Blazor WebAssembly application is to make it hosted. So in Visual Studio, you can add a uh, an ASP.NET Core web uh, server application, and that hosts the your API controllers and all sorts of things and any server side things that you want to do with that client are a lot easier when it's hosted in the same space. So right. So this tutorial shows you how to add a SignalR hub to that and then add the SignalR client to the WebAssembly application and and there's even a little tutorial that shows how to make a little chat window thing. So so it's all good stuff, man. There's it's always just, the chat window example though, isn't it? <laughs> that is the canonical SignalR sample, yeah. yeah, yeah. I use SignalR in other ways. Like, I use it to synchronize CRUD operations between mm-hmm. clients so that, you know, when when a CRUD operation happens, uh, the other clients get notified, and then you can do what you want. You can refresh data, you know, depending on where the user is. You can notify them that, hey, Richard just updated this. Do you want to refresh? Yeah. Or, so you, or you have some awareness. It. Now you can do something about it. Yep. So that's what I got, man. Know it, learn it, love it. Who's talking to us? You know, this is a very uh, apropos comment to just what we were talking about, too. This is from episode 1622, which is about a year ago, February of 2019. We talked to Steve Standards and Dan Roth, sort of the state of blazer conversation we had. With right. Them, which we actually recorded at NDC London. And admittedly, that's a year ago. Yeah. So this comment is doubly interesting because of the thinking at the time, a year ago. Yeah. Uh, this is from Calgary, who says, another great show, but I'm a bit confused here. Razor components, is that a real thing? You know, client-side C-sharp using WebAssembly or just ASP.NET Ajax reinvented for MVC? 
Because if it still requires a web server, that doesn't sound very interesting to me. The whole point of modern scalable website is, as I see it, to have just static files on a CDN and serverless REST APIs like Azure Functions uh, on the back end and then all the smarts in the client, right? That's the way Calgary's thinking. Right. Uh, if it doesn't need to be super scalable, there's things like .vvm and, and uh, other approaches to avoiding client-side code. Yeah. And at the time, Daniel responded with, the Blazor component model will ship with .NET Core 3 under its updated name, Razor Components. Uh, in yeah. .NET Core 3, we will support hosting Razor Components on the server in an ASP.NET Core app with all the UI interactions handled over a SignalR connection. Blazor mm -hmm. is the client-side hosting model for Razor Components, where they run in the browser on WebAssembly Blazor. And support for running on WebAssembly won't ship in .NET Core 3, but we expect to ship it sometime afterwards. Which it is a good description of what's actually happened, right? And a year ago, I think people were wrestling with this whole server-side versus client-side Blazor yeah. thing. Because nominally, server-side is not really Blazor per se. If you see as Blazor as WebAssembly, there's no WebAssembly involved there. It's Razor components. Right. But the component model got wildly popular. And so, you know, everybody wanted to jump onto that because it felt good. It felt right, especially coming from a web forms perspective. But it's interesting in terms, you know, if Calgary's push is on this sort of disconnected model where I have a smart client that then can reach out to a server and fetch data as necessary, which I mean, you can do that in Angular, you can do that in Vue and so on, to do that with WebAssembly Blazor. The SignalR part seems like a complicating feature because that's fundamentally a connection you're maintaining to a server to get quote unquote real time updates. Yeah. So if you know if you're all about the scalability, that's kind of an issue. Sure is. So it, it is interesting to think through because even a year later here, when you obviously a lot has happened and, and it seems like WebAssembly is finally coming true, we still have to discuss what are we using Blazor for and what is necessarily good for? Because that pure scalability model, the, the alternative to the JavaScript frameworks that says, hey, all the smarts are in the client and I'm just calling services to fetch data. Right. That's not, doesn't seem to be the default for, for WebAssembly Blazor. Yeah, that's true. It's a whole new world, man. Yeah. Don't know that it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's just the way it is. So, Calgary, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music Code By, write a comment on the website at dotnetrocks.com or via Facebook because we publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music Code By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin and he's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. It'll give us a wasmgasm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> or is it an orwasm? I don't know. Oh my God. None of this uh, is true. <laughs> that's how we're starting on this Monday afternoon. There you go. Um, that, that laugh you heard was the voice of Egil Hansen, and he is our guest today. Egil started tinkering with computers at 12 years old. Hmm, sounds familiar, eh, Richard? Mm, vaguely. Well, although you were probably two. So not 10, uh, but okay where he tried to get his 386 running at 16 megahertz with one and a half megs of memory to run Wolf 3D from DOS. <laughs> uh, what a great whole bunch game. of people scratching their head right now. What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's the, you know, that's the Unreal Engine before it was Unreal. Right. Indeed. And it was so scary for a 12-year-old to play that game, but it was also fun. And now it's real Unreal. <laughs> yeah. Since then... Egil has developed using everything from HTML, CSS, and PHP to PL1 on IBM mainframes 
SharePoint, C Sharp, and Blazor. Egil now works as managing architect at Net Company and has spent too much of his free time, according to his wife, during the last year to work on BeeUnit, a testing library for Blazor. His biggest career achievement is having an answer accepted on Stack Overflow in competition with John Skeet. Yes! Stick <laughs> yeah. it to the Skeet! <laughs> oh, yeah. And if you go look at Stack Overflow, my Stack Overflow profile, I think maybe over half of the points I've accumulated is, is from that single answer there. And wow. and, obviously, and of course, uh, John's answer was much better than mine, but I was like five minutes before, and I think mine was, mine was shorter, so it got accepted. So, Wow. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. doesn't happen very often. No, I don't think so. So what's different about Blazor uh, in terms of testing than anything else? The only thing I can think of that comes to mind is if people don't use code behind. Yeah, well, so if you want to test the Blazor component, what what, what does that actually mean to test a component mm. compared to testing a regular a, a business uh, service or some other type of, you know, just a plain old uh, C-sharp objects? And, and I, I started down that asking that question about a year ago myself because, you know, as a big TDD aficionado, I, I wanted some way to, to test some test a component library. I was sort of playing around with building for Blazor at, at that time. And there wasn't really any um, something out of, you know, built in to, to Blazor that would allow me to do that. So, so the thing you run into when you want to test your Blazor components is, is that you have to render it somehow because just mm. you, you could in theory just say new uh, my component and new it up, but then you don't have the output of the component. You just have the instance of the component, and uh, the component component model in Blazor is, is is sort of works around a component being rendered uh, and producing some markup output, and you don't get that if you just new up the component. So so. Um, I sort of starting started digging into the the whole rendering pipeline in Blazor and, and trying to figure out how to hook into that to sort of get the get the markup out of a component to be able to sort of uh, assert and, and verify that it is as I expected to um, and and so that's sort of the first step and that's why you need some a little a little help to to test your components uh, yeah uh, and that's that's what B unit unit tries to do. Um, yeah, I see that now. I mean, uh, thinking about it, you're you're testing UI code, and so you really yeah. have to see how it renders in order to determine whether that was updated. I guess, you know, the common mistake that a lot of people make is not calling um, state has changed when necessary. But yeah, but that, that's sort of that, that's um, when you get a little bit deeper into it, uh, where you want to f- sort of be able to. A little bit emulate what happens when you actually browse to to a website uh, that yeah. that runs Blazor and and have the component output rendered to screen and you click around on buttons and navigate to other pages and the whole uh, life cycle happens and and we need to we need a way to emulate that without using a sort of thing like Selenium which uh, the Blazor team is actually using to to do their end to end testing uh, because we want something that. Instead of running a test in one second, maybe uh, runs it in, in milliseconds instead. Um, so, um, so, so that's sort of uh, what I started out with, and I and I built, uh, let's say, a rough prototype around that, where I was able, basically, able to to uh, to render a component and provide input to it, and then I could just uh, grab the rendered markup uh, and and do some assertion against that. Uh, I had some limitations at that time; I couldn't figure out how to 
actually, for example, click buttons in or, or interact with event handlers uh, on on components. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. Steve put out a prototype for for a testing library. He, he was he was uh, working on at the time or a prototype for just writing unit test for Blazor, where he showed us how to to sort of do that, and uh, that sort of uh, elevated what I'm doing with BUnit into a whole different level, where you can basically do almost everything you want to do uh, except actually run the JavaScript that you might uh, sometimes invoke from Blazor. Mm. So that means that you are basically able to do almost as much as you can with Selenium uh, if you ignore running the, 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 the thing in, in a browser uh, and and but still have a much more responsive um, uh, test cycle. It's actually a weird benefit of this is so I'm sure you've noticed, uh, Carl, with your. I I I've, I I see you are quite a bit of a bit uh, quite a bit into to Blazor and and doing a lot of stuff in that. And I think one of the mm-hmm. big issues right now is that when you do a change, if you just you know change a single line in your 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 t- uh, component and you want to see it on screen, you have to do the whole rebuild and reload the browser, which which takes even on a fast machine can take uh, quite a few seconds uh, before you actually see the result on screen. So that turnaround time, that uh, uh, build, try something cycle is quite slow in Blazor. But if you run it with the test component, then it's usually actually faster, at least right now, until we get incremental builds in in Blazor. Wow, good. Yeah, the way I get around that is to use release mode, hit control F5, but then you don't get debugging. So (laughs) yeah, that's the whole point, isn't it? Mm, To debug. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. my concern with any kind of client side testing is how fragile it is to changes to the client. Yeah. So, so that was another thing, uh, and it's a really good point. So, what you, what you usually end up doing is that you uh, uh, you target you you go in and use maybe some DOM selector like like jQuery like selector for example in Selenium to to see say give me this. Uh, Give me this element in the rendered markup, and right. you do some assertion against that, and you, then you hope that uh, it's quite fragile, I should say, because if you uh, if you select maybe a text node uh, from the DOM, um, then if you in your rendering logic have, have maybe you changed, maybe you added some indention to the code to make it more you know easy to read in in, in Visual Studio in the component, and and you sort of do a re-render, uh, that those, those extra intentions of those uh, tabs you've added, um, that is, I guess, insignificant white space, and it still renders the same to the browser. The user doesn't see the extra indentations, but the, the test might break because you uh, you added those extra, uh, that extra white space, and now you're, you know, mm. your comparison isn't as, as, um, as smart anymore as it, as it was before. Okay, so are you locating elements based on some kind of of name, uh, you know, cardinal name, or are you worried about? Are you using ordinal position or something that would be sensitive to any anything after that change is broken? Yeah, there, there are many different ways to going uh, going about it, but but uh, I, I see sort of two approaches. As, uh, after you manage to render your component, uh, then you would want to figure out what you what is it that you want to test. So uh, so what we provide in, in B unit is, is a way to to um, either use CSS selectors uh, to to query the rendered DOM and, and pull out individual elements and just query against them verify that whatever they have inside them um, or you can take the sort of if you have a specific component you can say well I expect that the markup to look like this uh, and then there is a, a helper 
uh, helper assertion library that I actually ended up building uh, for BeanUnit called uh, AngleSharp Diffing that allows you to take markup from the component and compare to uh, uh, another uh, representation of that markup you have somewhere else, maybe in, in, a, in a string, um, but do it in a semantically correct way from an HTML point of view so, so that uh, it isn't sensitive to white space changes, insignificant white space changes at least, and, and mm -hmm. it doesn't doesn't care about the order of the attributes on an element. So if you uh, changed added another attribute or you changed the order of the attributes on, on, on the on the markup that that your component renders, it, it won't break your test uh, if you uh, if you use uh, use that helper uh, um, comparison uh, library there, and uh, it also doesn't, for example, care about uh, the order of um, CSS classes uh, in your class attribute on an HTML element. So, 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 it, so it tries to be as, as uh, true to how a browser would see the markup and not uh, do a straight up uh, string equals some other string in C sharp, which would right. uh, break quite easily. Um, and so it's yeah. sort of two different strategies, I guess, uh, that you can, you can take from. And why wouldn't you just use Selenium? I mean, in the end, you're still rendering into the browser engine. Like, it, it's a good tool. It is, um, but it's. Um, it I haven't. A, I don't have much experience with Selenium, uh, other than what I've see, see, seen is that it, it is. Uh, it 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 uh, it isn't as fast as. Uh, as 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 B unit is, um, mm -hmm. so if you compare the two, uh, that, that's sort of the main thing. I actually took uh, at some point. I took uh, some of the Selenium test from from the ASP.NET Core team's own tests and converted that to B unit, and it was uh, surprisingly easy uh, to compare the, uh, to co hmm. to convert it because the, uh, inadvertently uh, I've ended up creating a syntax that, that was much uh, that was quite similar uh, between the two uh, so so there's a little bit of difference between the how you write out uh, how you query the, the the generated DOM but the steps were almost the same um, so so I think the, the benefit is that, that you get you get the you get a much faster uh, turnaround time when you are for example doing test room development uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's also uh, more isolated. Uh, you don't have the whole browser spinning up. You don't have the issues around maybe having to wait a certain number of exams, uh, milliseconds or seconds before you sort of try to do something uh, against the, the the rendered markup and to, to sort of see if it is it, it's completed its its uh, its rendering in Selenium. Uh, so so things like that would uh, would probably be more stable. Uh, I think. Um, yeah, but it, and it is interesting then also just to look at the different browsers and how they implement things and do you get mm. different renders there. Yeah, but that is definitely a, a downside to it. So if if you want to do that end-to-end -end test uh, where you s sort of have the, well, I guess, network thing uh, going on as well, especially if you're doing maybe uh, not just client-side blazer, but if you're doing server-side blazer, uh, mm -hmm. uh, then you, you do have a SignalR connection between the server and the client and... and uh, when you are using JavaScript interrupt, which uh, I actually think, which is a sort of a common mistake that 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 we tend to see in in I think in Blazor components, is that people assume that 
similar to, I guess, which as you know, that that uh, as soon as you go out to the network, uh, all the different fallacies around network communication and, and that is instantaneous and that, and that it never breaks and uh, all those uh, classic distributed network problems. All these also, lies we tell to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it works on my machine, so you don't think about it when you're developing because you have a very, very fast uh, local host network with yourself, right? So the same problem, I think, can show up, especially when you're doing a server-side blazer where you have that JavaScript interrupt and you definitely still need to have uh, calls to JavaScript in, I think, in, in a modern uh, blazer app application. Uh, but you will, that, that thing, that, you know, that could be communication problems where that call from, from, Java, from, from your JS, uh, JavaScript interrupt in C-sharp to, to JavaScript or the other way around doesn't go through uh, or, or, or maybe takes... 100 milliseconds to 200 milliseconds, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, so so there are some issues there. So when you're doing you when you're writing tests in B unit, uh, you would normally want to to mock the the JavaScript uh, connection, the the the, uh, the JS interrupt uh, logic that is in Blazor. You would mock that out just like mm-hmm. you would if you were writing some sort of business uh, a domain uh, class that has a dependency on on a network uh, service somewhere. Uh, else, you wouldn't want to have that in your unit test. Uh, you might do that in a in a full on integration test or end-to-end test where you say, "Well, I'm gonna uh, have that complete picture uh, and see it, it, if everything works as it should." But but uh, with BUnit, you would you 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 walk out the the, the JavaScript part uh, and and don't um, don't make that call actually. Uh, so that gives you a much more predictable and stable tests. But that can really impact the behavior of your application, especially if you're doing things with DOM elements like setting focus or mm-hmm. something like that. You you know, when your code is counting on that call to JavaScript to change the UI so that it can do its job, mm-hmm. that well, can be a problem. Th- that, is, that, is a, that is a built-in uh, mocking extension uh, into BUnit that will allow you to say, I if, if that is an important thing for your component and that's, that is something you want to test, uh, um, then you would write, a, 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 then you basically would uh, register the, 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 the JS, uh, in, uh, JS interrupt mocking uh, tool I have in BUnit and you would say to that that uh, it should record any uh, request that comes to it and then after you render your component and do whatever you want with the component maybe invoke some some something in the component or or, or, mm-hmm. or click on on the input field, then you would say that and now it should have now it should have called the uh, uh, set focus on this element and you could be able to assert against that. So so you can verify that that is a call coming from your component uh, that is doing that, uh, and then you can. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so so you have so you are sure that it's happening, uh, but you're not doing it doing the actual work in the browser. Right. So it's really just a matter of not testing the JavaScript code. But you can see the results of the JavaScript code when it's called. Yeah, and you can also set up uh, if, for example, you are calling uh, something on JavaScript and you're expecting a response back, uh, then you can also just set up a, a, a response that you want to have yeah. when you receive that call from from uh, from the component under test, uh, similar to how you would mark out a regular sure. web service in in, yep. in in regular business logic. Yep, sounds good. So what was the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome when you started down the B unit path? Obviously it uh, 
from your <laughs> from your bio, you've been working maniacally at night, you know, on this uh, day and <laughs> night, and you're much to your family's chagrin. How, what was the big uh, the biggest uh, hurdle? Yeah, well, it's uh, I'm one of those guys. I think where you uh, sort of get into into that that, that state of flow where your co- code is just. Uh, it's pouring out of you then you don't notice that it's four o'clock in the morning and 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 you and the kids wake up in two hours and and you should really be in bed now Uh, but i think the biggest challenge was to sort of get really deep into the and it still is to get into the to the deep uh, deep deeper parts of the rendering pipeline in in blazer uh right they're doing some pretty uh advanced stuff there and uh sort of understanding everything um and and uh and and i think one of the later uh Challenges have been to um, sort of build a good handling of the asynchronous part of of the rendering engine and and, and Blazor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, you you could uh, it's sort of I think it's one of the when you do find new Blazor projects uh, the 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 weather forecast uh, service they have. Uh, where you when you render the weather weather forecast forecast table, it, it'll it'll pull uh, it'll, it'll do an async call to a uh, to a backend service and and get the the weather forecast and then display them uh, when the com- when the call comes through, and that is sort of where where you want to have some a little bit exp- extra in in your tests uh, where you're able to say uh, now then. When this uh, web service call is invoked, you should return this marked out data uh, and. Mm-hmm. That way, you can sort of control what is being rendered on screen, um, and but because there's this asynchrony involved in this, as soon as you provide the the, the renderer or the component with that data, it starts uh, doing an asynchronous render uh, while your test code is running. Uh, hmm. So you actually have to do some blocking in your test and, and wait for the render to complete before you can uh, verify your markup. Otherwise, your your test will just run to completion, and your verification would uh, or assertion would most likely fail. So there are some help um, uh, some help methods in 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 the in the library now that that allows you to sort of say, well, wait for this assertion to pass, and every time the component renders, it'll attempt the assertion. So sometimes uh, in the more advanced cases, you would maybe have uh, two or three asynchronous uh, render cycles before the the markup uh, you expect of the state uh, the, of, of the component is is what you expect it to be. And, right. and uh, so, so, so that, that, that has been a bit of a challenge because you are actually running uh, the test, uh, test in one thread and the rendering logic in another thread and having that synchronization work out, that, that has been, um, <laughs> that's, that's been some fun uh, multi-programming uh, or concurrency programming I haven't uh, been doing in a while. So I've been having to, to make sure I understand all those uh, concepts again. Um, That's crazy. And uh, (laughs) folks, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Hey, it's Carl and Richard here to tell you that all of the NDC conferences this year are going online. You can still attend the workshops and sessions, but from the comfort of your own home. Here's what's coming up. NDC Oslo is June 8th to 12th. So go to ndcoslo.com to register. NDC Minnesota will be September 8th through the 11th. Go to ndcminnesota.com to register. NDC Sydney is October 12 to 16. Early bird discount for NDC Sydney ends July 12th. So go to ndcsydney.com to register. Check out the full lineup of conferences at ndcconferences.com. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Yo. 
And we're, we're talking to uh, Eagle Hansen about uh, B-Unit and yeah. this testing a blazer. And it just hit me that you're having this experience of the uncoupling of the rendering engine of the DOM from yeah. JavaScript because you may or may not have JavaScript involved. In fact, you may not, you probably don't have JavaScript involved because it's Blazor. So, Definitely. you know, you're caring about those DOM components in a way we, we just haven't, th we've thought about JavaScript independent of the browser. We haven't thought about the browser independent of JavaScript. Not really, right? no. Uh, and I think you, you, you've talked to, uh, to the Angle Sharp team before, haven't you, on .NET Rocks? Um, mm -hmm. and, oh, uh, ages so, so, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, I'm using uh, Angle Sharp uh, to 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 render uh, the markup into because it's a full complete implementation of HTML5, which is quite neat. So that gives gives us sort of um, I guess uh, the whole. JavaScript DOM API, but in C Sharp available to us. And that allows us to, to have that disconnect uh, you were talking about, Richard. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, hopefully, um, uh, maybe in a later version of Angle Sharp, where they, when they get their, uh, their JavaScript implementation completed, then we might even be able to uh, run uh, some of the components JavaScript uh, as well against the, the rendered DOM that is represented by Ang Angle Sharp and C Sharp, and that would actually, um, you know, sort of give us the, f the full end-to-end -end, uh, picture. Um, so, so, so that that's uh, maybe 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 a future thing. Well, I think you're also, yeah. I'm just thinking in terms of you are seeing the seams, the the implementation mm -hmm. differences of the different browser makers. Yeah. against these various rendering engines. So, I mean, I'm just wondering, have you done a lot of testing of your testing framework, which is hilarious to me. Yeah, for, <laughs> I mean, we test the tests. <laughs> yeah, so again, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously you're probably running most of the stuff against Chrome, but how does Safari behave? Because Apple seems to be the problem child these days, you know, especially well, around WebAssembly. So I don't, really, uh, I don't really bother about that, to be honest, because uh, my part uh, for B units part it's just about running the the exec, uh, in rendering the component but right. uh, into the uh, into the blazer component model which is doesn't care about the browser so i okay. I, I don't really care about so you're dodging that you don't yeah, need yeah. to so, deal so with we, it so we we don't uh, when i have a lot of unit tests occurring the blazer internals itself but but we don't really connect to a browser we don't run things in a browser it runs without a browser it runs without a, 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 a .NET server at all there's no uh, there's no um, mm -hmm. uh, asp.net's uh, uh, kestrel server or iis running uh, running right. a blazer component it's it's just a, a straight up classic unit unit test it's actually just using x unit right now under the hood but also n unit and ms test uh, in a later release where you just uh, it's basically just running as a console application i guess the normal, I guess, the normal process would be maybe, for example, you're building a component library in, internally for your company, uh, and you have a designer give you a design guide and say, this is the markup you need to generate, and this is the CSS, and this is the JavaScript you need to to use to to make it all go uh, or work nicely, or maybe they just give you the markup and and, and CSS and say use Blazor to make it uh, make make everything you know interactive, um, mm. and they tell you this is how it's supposed to look, and at that point you you don't really uh, you don't have to test that in in Chrome, Firefox, or Safari, or whatever, because that is sort of 
that that is supposedly already done for you. Obviously, you, you when you when you want to do that, you you just start up your Blazor application and and and, and try your components and click around on them in in, in the browser. But uh, so uh, or maybe you use Selenium or uh, one of the other front end driven mm-hmm. JavaScript frameworks. But but at this point, where you have the markup you want to render and you have the functionality, the 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 the. Sort of the, the how how the components should work, what the different interaction points should be, uh, what handle event handlers that should, that should be on the component. Then you can go into that's sort of the ideal scenario for B unit and for test room development is that you can say, well, I'm going to write my test and say when I render this component, it should spit out this markup, and when I click on this button in my component, then it should uh, switch around and render this markup instead, and and uh, that you. Can just uh, that, that, so at that point you you just go in and code your components uh, right. and and have it have it spit out the markup you expect, knowing that it will be uh, knowing that it will be it it will look correctly uh, to the end user uh, in the browser. Well, and there and therein lies the question when you go to multiple browsers: is did this render correctly on this other browser? Yeah, hmm. and, and that, that's sort of not a concern for B unit. B unit yeah, is no, a concern about the the, the 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 output of the individual components. Yeah, uh, and this is where you get into the things like. Xamarin built with the test cloud, where there's really yeah. no substitute for just looking at the different renders to, yeah, to understand what's happened. Hey, yeah. I noticed, uh, and this you, you offered in your notes, but I've went and read the whole thing. Uh, so it was back in January 2018, so in the early days of Blazers, when Dan Roth created uh, an issue in the GitHub repository oh, yeah. for building a unit test framework. So that's two years ago. And I mean, they, it seemed like they were interested and you know, went through some steps, some of the things they wanted to build. And there was some uh, check-ins and so forth. Lots of conversation about comparing against other test frameworks. Mm. Uh, it's like, please do it like this. I kind of like the way that works, you know, mm-hmm. borrowing the best ideas like all grown-ups should do. <laughs> and then May of 2020, so I mean, a little more than two years later, Dan says, uh, at this point, we are thinking that we should, uh, that providing a testing framework support for Blazor is something that can be handled by the Blazor open source community. And he specifically references BUnit. Yeah. Yeah. So, because, and, it, and I, and I can see Dan's position is I don't want to put words into Dan's mouth. Um, by the way, if you've, if you've never explored Dan Roth on Reddit and it's not actually Dan Roth, it's fans of Dan Roth, there is a, Fans of Dan Roth subreddit. That is, that is one so of the cool. It's one of the greatest things ever. It's I think it's completely <laughs> embarrassing to Dan because he's the nicest man and has you know that's not normal for him. It's actually a pretty not normal thing at all, but it's hilarious to read. Um, that's awesome. I didn't know. Oh, <laughs> go please. I'm I'll have to find a link and add it to the show notes. But I have been talking on and off with Dan uh, for, for a couple of months to sort of know where they were going with this because uh, obviously I was putting a bit of time into this and if they would, you know, release their own thing, uh, yeah. I would be a little bit out of business, I think, because yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, yeah, and, and it's fair, it's fair because it's that's that's the default for every. I think most .NET developers in the ecosystem here is that when Microsoft comes out with something new, uh, especially if it's not that's not something extremely uh, 
well used in the community, then, then you know, other other projects sort of fade away a bit. Uh, I think sure. XUnit is an example of a, of a, of a testing framework where Microsoft actually, uh, at least for ASP.NET Core, started using XUnit instead of MS Test. So, so there are examples where, where they, or, or, or JSON.NET uh, from Newtonsoft. Uh, yeah. But but in most cases, you would be out of business. Uh, well, and, and, you, and hopefully you would contribute to that project uh, now yeah. that it's open mm. source. Mm. That was also one of the things I talked to him about and said that if, if, if you want to go in a different direction or you just want something branded with, you know, the Microsoft uh, uh, namespace, then... I would at least hope that, uh, you know, you could maybe adopt what I have here and, and build from that. But uh, they, we've been talking back and forth. And, and in the end, they, they they thought that, you know, with their limited resource constraints and and, and the opportunity and, and, and sort of where I was taking this uh, match sort of where they were thinking. So so it's sort of a, it's uh, I was excited to, reach, to see that, but also a bit scared, you know, because now it's yeah. now it's on me. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully uh, you. more comp- contributors will come 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 my way and help out with this. Uh, I have yeah. a few already uh, who, who are helping, you know, discussing design decisions and, and, and writing some code, but uh, could definitely use uh, a bit more because, you know, keeping the wife happy is also an important yeah, part yeah. of my life. <laughs> you, you got, so. and, and, and plus, you know, you need to be able to take a vacation. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. <you've> got, this <laughs> yeah, has right. got to become a sustainable open source project, and Absolutely. it's pretty much you're driving it right now. Yeah, so so um, one of the things I, I, talk, I was talking to Dan about and something he suggested was that I, I should join the .NET Foundation with or move the project to the .NET Foundation to sort of give it a more, uh, well, stable foundation, I guess, uh, and also to, to give... Uh, give it a more credence and, and have people uh, maybe put a bit more trust in it. So as it, puts well, a, it puts a legal construct around it so that, you know, larger organizations can look at it and go, this is a legit project. Although admittedly, you make right now it's still very much you. Yeah. And, 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 uh, I am hoping to sometime during during the summer and maybe in, in the fall to sort of get to a stable v, V1. So right now I think, uh, and I, I see there's quite a few people who are using it already, but but it is sort of still in, have a beta, beta um, you know, stamp on it, which means I guess that, that uh, APIs could change uh, as we uh, continue to evolve it and, and learn about, uh, you know, things that are hard. In, in general, I really want to build a library that is, Sort of, uh, I think like Mark Zima would put it, uh, put people into the pit of success. Uh, mm-hmm, and, right. and, and when you just go into a unit test and write render component and give it a, a, a type of component you want to render and, and, and maybe pass in some parameters, you sort of fall into to that. Uh, you have that experience where everything just, you know, it, it works as you expect. And, and then there's sort of the corner cases where we need to be clever about adding the right APIs, for example, around the async things, so that it's easy to discover the solution. Uh, ideally, people wouldn't, won't have to go and, and read my, my documentation, but can you know, discover most of it just by reading the code documentation that, that follows the, the, the library uh, when you install it in, into, your, into your, um, your solution. So you have two other contributors on the project now. Do you want more? Do you need more? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, well, um, there's two types of contributors, uh, and I appreciate both equally. Well, actually, three types. If you want to sponsor me, that's another thing. Uh, but uh, but the, the if you have if you want to help out with issues like like submit pull requests, uh, I, I always enjoy you know uh, doing code reviews and giving feedback and and getting that uh, code from others. It it it, uh, it definitely helps. Also, people uh, providing feedback to when I. I, I would I will create an issue about a feature I want to build, and have having them say, "Well, this is actually a bad idea to do it like this." So, 
I think two or three heads think way better than one head. Uh, I might not see the whole picture all the time. So yeah, that, 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 well, and just challenging ideas, pressing against it. Exactly. Uh, uh, and one thing uh, I have been getting feedback on is the async thing. But another thing I've been getting feedback on is uh, is sort of as a special mode, I guess you could call it. Uh, so you can write your test using BUnit just in, in in a syntax that looks just like a regular XUnit tests. So where instead of writing new uh, whatever you want to test, you you use a, a method called render component that renders the component, and then you can do things with it afterwards. So it's sort of a classic uh, a unit test where you have your arranged and your act and your assert steps. Uh, but you can also, um, to make it easier to, to, to sort of define what you want to test, and especially passing parameters into components, uh, that can be quite tedious when you do it in C sharp. Uh, and one thing that uh, I added to the library quite early uh, was was the ability to to actually define your. I use the term component under test, uh, but you can define the component you want to test and declare it inside an Razor file. Uh, so the same way you would. It's sort of in the same way you would normally, uh, when you want to use that component in in a Razor page or in another component, where you where you declared in in, in Razor syntax, uh, there is a way in the component in in, in BUnit where you can declare your 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 component on a test using Razor syntax and. Uh, that way, you get all the intelligence you you normally have for for you know passing in parameters to the component, uh, and then uh, you can in in that uh, what I call razor based testing. Then you just uh, sort of s- almost skip the arrange step of your classic uh, t- unit test and just uh, ask give me the component on the test with whatever parameters you pass to it uh, declared in, in in the razor file, and then run your assertion and and act steps and. That works because we can have C sharp in our Razor files. So, so the C sharp logic that actually asserts against the component on a test is placed inside the same uh, Razor file, uh, and and that's another thing I, I've been working on to with the help of of the uh, author of XUnit, uh, which I can't remember his name right now. I'm a f- I'm embarrassed to say, um, but he helped me uh, sort of create a custom uh, XUnit uh, test runner. Uh, that can detect uh, these uh, Razor tests inside Razor files. Uh, so it, it's a much more natural way to, to defining sort of the tests you want to do that way. Um, and also opens up other possibilities of doing doing snapshot-like testing that you might know from, for example, Jest in the React ecosystem. So, um, so but there, there are sort of some features that are, that are getting closer to be stable now. Uh, with the next release, I will be putting out, uh, actually, hopefully tomorrow or something, this is Brad Wilson you're talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was very helpful uh, in uh, in uh, in giving input and and a code review of the, my my attempts to to hacking into to to the innards of XUnit to to get this to work. Um, and it turns out that XUnit is built in in a very nice and extendable way. So all my hacks sort of went away when he started helping me out, <laughs> and uh, now it's just a pretty nice. Uh, Brad, Brad has been down the path before. He would yeah. save you that pain. Exactly. So, well, I'm I'm reading further into that particular uh, issue after, even though Dan closed it, you know, there are folks that are concerned that Mm -hmm. uh, that Blazor stays testable. Like you're up against a fairly challenging thing here, in the sense that if the if the design team for Blazor goes down a path that is challenging for testability, you're you're not in that team. Like you're going to have to push back on them. Yeah. I, I feel that uh, with my talks with uh, with Dan and that, that I've 
at least I both have a front channel and a back channel. If that's an expression you can use. I, I think it's a very good description of it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, he said it was fine to email him, uh, but also just raise an issue in the ASP.NET Core uh, repo and and ask uh, questions if that's something I can't figure out how to do or, or if there's things they are doing, uh, we can definitely provide feedback. I, I'm not afraid of it. Uh, so. They, they've always always been planning to have a good testing story around Blazor uh, from the beginning. Um, and, and, and I think that's evident by, by the fact that, that Steve did his prototype back last, last, uh, last fall. But uh, it's sort of a matter of resources right now. Obviously, if I just uh, you know, stop showing up on GitHub and don't do anything, they, they will probably reconsider. Or, or maybe somebody else will, will pick up the mantle and, and continue building something in, in, in the community. But uh, I, I don't think it's their intention not to, to be testable at all. I think it's quite the opposite. And uh, so, so I, I wouldn't be worried about that. Uh, if, if And right now, we are at a, at a place where uh, you can test uh, that, that at least if you're doing sort of the regular C-sharp-based uh, test and not going into the razor-based testing I talked about before, then it, it works quite well. It, 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 is, uh, it is very close to being stable, I think, um, there are some things that could be be more elegant, I think, uh, when we get a bit of feedback on the API. But overall, the core functionality of rendering a component, being able to trigger uh, uh, event handlers uh, on Blazor components, and being able to to uh, to to read the response uh, of of the rendering of a component and and looking at the component instance, if you have any thing on the component you want to assert against, all of that is already possible. So wow. I don't think we are, are missing anything. Obviously, with the new features coming out uh, in uh, in the .NET 5 timeframe, yeah. where they also, that, that is sort of the way for, 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 for the Blazor WASM, which is going final here, uh, I think around build time, um, they, they haven't changed the, the underlying Razor component model that's going to be the same no. uh, and has stayed the same for, right. for, for Blazor Server and for Blazor Wasm, which also means I haven't actually had to update anything around how uh, B-Unit renders components because it's the same. Yeah, I was going to ask you exactly that question. Like, I'm kind of staggered at this idea mm. that the same testing framework would work the same way, whether you were doing server-side or client-side. That's astonishing to me. Well, remember, Blazor Server has shipped. But it's it's because the model is so elegant. It it, it, it works in every every... You know, it, 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 they, even if you are rendering to, uh, in theory, uh, the the uh, B unit right now is split up. Uh, such uh, in the next release will be split up into sort of a core part and and a web part and an mm -hmm. X unit part, and hopefully I'll be able to add an N unit and an MS test to sort of have uh, in built built in support uh, for for those uh, testing libraries as well. But I could also add a, a B unit .mobile, which would uh, have specifics that understand. Uh, the Xamarin, uh, Xamarin mobile bindings for Blazor mm -hmm. uh, because the underlying core uh, Blazor component model is, is the same for, 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 uh, for all of those technologies. Uh, so it's just a matter of they, they add something on top that knows how to take the, the, the Blazor uh, when you're rendering a Blazor web component to turn that into markup and put it in the browser and update it in yeah. the browser. But uh, yeah. when it's uh, the Xamarin uh, mobile bindings, then it's just uh, turning that into I guess SAML and and updating the the SAML uh, um, runtime and hooking into that render tree there and updating that at runtime. Uh, so 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 the underlying technology in in, in Beanwood is is just that the, the core parts is just core and are agnostic to to whatever 
rendering target you normally have. And then I have some then we have some helpers on top of that uh, that, that allows us to to work internally in the uh, and and easily with uh, with HTML when we are when we are testing a, a web component uh, web laser components. And I would hope, Eagle, that that as you head down these paths, like there are people who step up for each of these pieces. Like you, know, uh, you think a guy like <laughs> a guy Elian behind the mobile laser bindings for Xamarin would be the person who would make the con- those contributions to su- to support that, yeah. right? Like you. you you can't do all this yourself. I'm excited to see what they bring out next on that in that space. It's no surprise that the the component model is set in stone because it's actually shipped in .NET Core three with mm. Blazor Server. So if they went mucking around with a syntax of binding or something like that, it would break a shipping product. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But but they are planning to 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 add more functionality to the component model for for V five. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, uh, so, so that, that would be uh, new capabilities. So to the core of Blazor. Yeah, and sooner or later you're going to run into this issue of client side and server side execution are not the same, and and how do you do the right thing in both places? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, n- not from a testing point of view, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. On this, so so if you imagine, uh, Richard, you're you're building a. And especially, I think, think testing uh, of laser components is, is especially interesting if you're building a component library. If you are push, pushing out a bootstrap uh, component library for Blazor or or uh, Materials UI or, or Fluent UI library that, that wraps a bunch of components that people can easily add to to their project and and you know uh, create a beautiful app quite fast, then then you would probably want to have a lot of unit testing tests around that. So you sort of ensure all the functionality that you're, you're sort of components have uh, in place but those components should be coded in a way where it doesn't matter if you're running in place a server or in place a client so that means all obviously being able to being aware of the difference between doing using js interrupt uh, to call uh, when when you are out on the client because the turnaround time is going to be much much faster than if you have to go over a network uh, potentially over the internet not an just an internal network uh, and and so so but but those things you need to handle and and be agnostic about um, and 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 testing blazer components would would also fall into you have these components, and it doesn't matter if they are going to be used on the client or server. You still need to sort of have generalized tests that, that just you know work uh, no matter where you're going to use them. But the only things that I can see being a problem, you could probably mock out. But you know the it, the things that are different are what's in the environment itself, not the component model. The component model is going to stay the same. But if, for yeah. example, the component is is requiring a service that mm. you need to add in the environment, you know, in your startup, configure mm. services, and it's there on one and not on the other, then you'll have a problem. So, or the JavaScript, as you said, you know, the JavaScript yeah. has to be the same on both platforms, but that's not part of the component model. No, absolutely. You, and you're completely right. And that's sort of where they, they, but, but they, but they thought about that, I think, because how, mm. how you get access to those things in Blazor is either through a cascading value uh, all yep. through uh, uh, injecting services into your components at runtime through your, as you say, through the startup, for example, where you configure your services. And those right. services will either be specific to a client-side blazer or to a server-side blazer setup, or you would have a third leg, w- which would be your tests. So so that's also maybe if I if I can leave the listeners with a, with a plea, if you're building a, a, a testing, uh, if you're building a, a blazer uh, component library and 
and I have had some issues being raised on the video and repo where, where people have been trying to write tests for 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 their components that are using uh, another third party uh, uh, component library, but that component library wasn't really. Uh, it has maybe it had maybe requirements to, for example, to inject services that that, that the components require, uh, but those services weren't easily mockable. So so you couldn't replace them when you're running your test with with a mock of something. But but B unit B units in in general allows you to before you render your component, you can go in and register any services that the component or the components inside the component you're testing might be depending on. So so you have that ability to sort of do that whole setup phase for each test uh, and just register the, the things you need. It could be the mock.js runtime, it could be uh, the navig navigation manager, uh, for example. Uh, if you want to test that when you click on a link, you go to the right page, you can sort of mock that interaction out, or it could be authorization, uh, or it could just be uh, whatever. If you have your, a, a, if you have a, a component that receives, for example, the weather forecast service, uh, that you could also that would you you, you which you inject through uh, through a services, uh, then you can just uh, replace that with a mock, and then you have. You don't have the real web service call to somewhere else, so 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 you can so so that so that uh, using of of the dependency inversion principle that they have and and using dependency injection to 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 sort of uh, inject internal state means that we can test our components in uh, quite elegantly in in isolation uh, as long as it's people who are, who created the components you're using also have thought about this uh, um, to begin with and and. Made it possible to replace the dependencies um, if you need to. This is great stuff, Egil. <laughs> we can talk all day. Yeah, and we we sh I c I could talk to you for a long time, but I'm definitely going to hit you up when uh, it's time to do the uh, testing module for Blazor Train. Do you mind? Uh, absolutely, I would be happy to help spread the word. Um, That's great. Maybe we could get on a on a remote uh, Visual Studio together, and uh, you could give us a, a little demo going through it. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd be happy to do that. Well, uh, thanks again, Egil, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a